0: Poor Eagle, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Maroon Mike Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. Yeah, and we're just here to say that if you have facts about a violation, please contact compliance at auburn.edu. Otherwise, please do not slander these young men or disparage their families. Uh, We are praying for you, and we just wanted to say, war damn escorts. Amen to that. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Later in the show, I think everybody knows what we're referencing. Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC. Of course, you all know this by now. This is old news at this point, as we're coming to you on a Friday. Um, so we're going to, you know, we'll spend some time talking about old Hugh getting back in the SEC and John Cohen and the mess that he's walked himself into. Thanks for leaving, buddy. Uh, but look, obviously not a ton to talk about on today's pod. Um, not a lot happening MSU news-wise, but we'll get into a few things. Starting off, though, we did say we were going to do some shout-outs for anyone who included us in their Spotify wrapped. Um, I'm surprised any of you had us in our Spotify wrapped. I, I don't know what you're doing with your life, that you have us as a part of your Spotify wrapped, but we are grateful for the few of you that did. Uh, no, seriously, uh, really do appreciate those of you who tune in to listen and, and uh, make us a part of your week. Uh, we having a lot of fun doing this. The show has grown a lot over the last year. Didn't get a ton of shout outs. But that's, I mean, I, I would imagine last year they probably didn't get any shout outs for the show. Um, so three of you uh, did include, uh, did have us included in your app or at least three of you uh, shouted us out. Uh, Will Parker, Paul did not have a last name there, but thank you, Paul. And then the uh, sidelines MSU account. I think I know the guy who runs that, but I don't want to like attribute it to the wrong person just in case. So the three of you thanks so much for listening uh thanks to all of you who listen and tune in but uh it's
1: pretty awesome there's uh it gave us 32 fans have their number one podcast uh fun story this is the only podcast that i do listen to on the episodes that i'm not on so i'm probably one of those uh but you know we don't count me i'm already on the show so whatever but you, a little you, a little myself
0: there the the show I, I will admit I am not a someone who just I do not listen to our show that much just because like I've I yeah You're I don't almost I every be...
1: episode you don't have to yeah no that's totally <laughs> all right like...
0: I have my rotation of other things to figure out but uh that that I listen to or whatever but this did actually spot show up in my Spotify wrap specifically because I don't listen to a lot of podcasts on Spotify I'm weird I like Spotify so much better than Apple yet I still use the Apple Podcast app for pretty much most of my Apple I mean podcast listening so but thanks to you guys who, who do tune in like I said 32 people had us a number one I would not have guessed even that many had us as our number one um moving over to some team news uh I think a lot of you guys have seen it by now MSU has gotten a lot of positive news over the past couple of days for the football team with uh Nathaniel Buki Watson uh Jordan Davis and Nathan Pickering all announcing that they will be returning for their extra year of eligibility granted via COVID. Um, that is massive. Considering that you know the defensive side of the ball is where you are taking a lot of losses and you're still going to take some big losses. In fact, as we record tonight, uh, Manuel Forbes did just officially declare for the NFL draft, which I mean, we all knew, um, but he, you had a lot more guys that I felt you were going to lose. Then now it looks like you're getting back and, we're going to do an episode next week where we do a little bit more of a deep dive as to what this team could look like next year. But there's multiple starters in that list that I just put together on defense that you thought you were going to be losing that are now coming back. And considering the experience on offense, there's expectation that you're going to get a couple more offensive linemen declare they're going to be back. So you're looking at four or five starters back there. Uh, you have a good group of receivers back, even with a couple players lost. Running back, sh- that room should mostly stay intact. Will Rogers, I know people have their opinions of Will right now, but nonetheless, it'd be a fourth-year starting quarterback. Um, a lot of pieces back on defense, a super-experienced offense. Uh, this team, with a manageable schedule, it looks like next year has a chance to be really good.
1: Yeah, and, you know, obviously we still had a few problems that you could look at and say, uh, look – they they didn't play a perfect egg bowl and obviously I'll address that in the, the recap of the game. Uh but that defense was the most important part of that game. They they won that game for Mississippi State despite the offensive struggles of turning the ball over. But uh when when you get back, those guys and and you know the talk around town right now is that Jet Johnson might be staying as well. He uh, is you get uh, he two... he kind of told some of our media like a while back he fully okay. was
0: for returning. Yeah.
1: Well then, yeah, two of your Top linebackers, right to come back. I know Tyrese Sweet, I don't think he can come back. Uh, you know, you got Cromady, your top defensive lineman, and and a good edge rusher, and Jordan Davis, a good uh nose guard, and and uh Pickering. I mean, it's just it's good, good, good stuff to have in that front seven. And it's gonna be one of the most, the oldest, and most experienced front sevens in the in the southeastern conference next year. And like you said, you know, your return Will Rogers gonna be a fourth year quarterback. That that kind of experience is is hard to have in in any in any conference, uh, and any college football program. And you're hoping that you know that is another offseason that you can see progression, right? That's what you always want to see out of your quarterback year to year, and that you hope to see out of him. And if you know, there's definitely I think going to be a few receivers coming in in the portal that could uh that could help out, right? Because that was one position that. I'm not going to say it was bad, but there are just at times you just question uh, their their execution of plays and just catching catching the ball. Right, that's that's what they got to do. And you know, you had some guys show out. Some guys had a bit of struggle, but but it's going to be great. And and uh, all hail to Tulu Griffin, the great recruiter who will uh, uh you know come to the ship.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> I-, I was going to shout out Tulu. The you know. I, I would say that puts him, we, we don't have to beat around it to lose a guy that there's been r- rumors or speculation for a long time that, Oh, that guy's going to transfer. Out, right. Because he, he just had times has not been utilized properly. I think the way he's been used recently and some of the thought that, you know, there's whispers that he might move, be moved to the slot next year. Um, that uh, I, I think that guy clearly is excited for what the future holds at Mississippi state. Otherwise he wouldn't be out recruiting the way that he is right now. And, you know, Mississippi State came into the season by, you know, most metrics being the most experienced team in the SEC uh, in terms of returning production. I don't know if they're going to be tops next year, but I cert- they're certainly going to be much higher up than I thought they would have been. And, uh, look, obviously I know some of these guys at specific situations were like, Crummity missed the majority of this season. He probably wants to put more tape out there when it comes to maybe, you know, an NFL future. Jordan Davis missed all of last year. So he he wants to take another advantage of another year. I know Nathan Pickering has never really gotten to go out and uh be the impact player that maybe we thought when he was came in as a recruit. Maybe he's looking for that opportunity now. Obviously, you got guys who have more they want to show, but I definitely think you you have to have to think that behind the scenes, MSU's NIL game is probably step playing a role in this as well, and. Yeah some of these guys have definitely would have an opportunity if they were to play for the NFL draft to be draft picks and go and make money uh, in the league. So we don't have any of that confirmed. That's purely speculation on my part, but I think that's the assumption I saw a lot of people making on the message boards is like, this doesn't happen if not for some of the efforts that are being made by the bulldog initiative and Charlie Winfield with what they're doing over there. So it's good to see MSU. MSU has been picking that up a lot over the past month. And I think you're starting to see some of that pay, uh, pay off and, you mentioned the transfer portal. I, I certainly uh, expect you're going to see you mention wide receiver. I think that's a position you're going to go after. You're going to go after a pass rusher to losing Tyrus Wheat. Um, what you do in the secondary with no Emmanuel Forbes and, you know, Jalen Green and Jackie Matthews are both out of eligibility, so they're going to be gone. Uh, do you want another offensive lineman? You got to figure out kicker and punter. You don't have – like you don't even have one on the roster right now. So a lot of areas for MSU to address in the portal. Again, we'll break some of that down more uh, on the episode next week. Some of the things that happened, Connolly Trophy goes to uh, Quinchon Judkins. Look, I'm not going to throw a big fit about that. He was really, really good. Um, Obviously, you can make the argument that what Forbes did was perhaps more valuable. I don't know if – frankly, I don't know if he was more valuable to his team for as big a role as Judkins had in that Ole Miss offense and for some of the struggles they had. In terms of being the better overall player, yeah, it's a major difference. I feel confident saying that for as good as he is, but – I, I'm not going to you know throw a fit over him you know, not winning that award. Where we will throw a fit, and of course, it's been already discussed ad nauseum, but we're coming to this late. The fact that Emmanuel Forbes was not a finalist for the Thorpe Award was just a joke. A guy, a guy who led the nation in interceptions, tied for the lead, led the nation to pick sixes. Um, in terms of total passes defended, I believe of the finalists, uh, only one of the finalists had more total passes defended than he did. Uh, he had a blocked kick. You know, you, that's another stat you can factor in. And I know it's not career achievement award, but he, I mean, he like tied an FBS record for career interception. I, for touchdown. I think, I think he set the SEC record. I think national, okay. he might've tied. I, I right. could be wrong. That's
1: still, that's still a huge achievement all time. Right. And
0: absolutely. And I know it's not a career achievement award, but like, he was remarkable this year and, yeah. I I don't know – and I'm not – look, I understand sometimes DB is one of those positions where, yeah, well, if they're not throwing at him, that's because they're locking him down. I totally get that. I Forbes in man coverage this season allowed, what, three catches for a total of 16 yards or something. Not, not I don't know if it was total six, – 16 yards after catch. So more than 16 yards. But, like, it's not like this is a guy who uh, – oh, God, what's his name? The, the corner for the Cowboys uh, who last year had, like, 11 picks. Um, oh, uh, Diggs, Trevon Diggs, Diggs. Who, who, who he simultaneously set like sets an interception record, but also gave up the most yards of any corner in the league because it was like he either gets an interception or he gives up a huge play. That's not Emmanuel Forbes, he was good in coverage too, so it, it's pretty sad that he didn't get even get to be a finalist
1: for sure. And and I mean, it's felt like at times that they did throw the ball to him, you know, and it wasn't so much as defended, they just there were a lot of times it felt like quarterback just overthrew the receiver and is like, look, like if, if my guy can't get it, I'm not going to let Forbes get it either. Uh, you know, I, the one that who he never got thrown at was Martin Emerson. You know, he had what, one interception all his time here at state, you know, no one ever threw at him, uh, but people threw at Emmanuel Forbes. And, and always made me question why, uh, why you did that. And just everything Forbes did as a corner, right. He blew up screenplays all the time. That is something that you do not see often out of defensive backs. He had those pick sixes, right? Like, the one against Kentucky, that was on a screen pass. He took a screen pass for a pick six. He read it right away, understood the play, jumped the ball, and no one was within 20 yards of him when he was in the end zone. Like, it was amazing. And it's like, you don't see that out of these other guys. I don't care what you say about them. Like, I've watched the tapes of, uh, what, the one from TCU, uh, Illinois, and I don't even know where the third guy's from. Clark Phillips from Utah, who – if
0: I were to put money on it, he would probably win the award. He's the guy who's gotten the most attention since the preseason. And look, if he, if it, if so it's Forbes a had been preseason there, preseason award, I'm hearing now from Thorpe. All right, Phillips okay. has six interceptions. I will get, I will give him that. He's he is really good. And look, if if you're talking about Forbes as a finalist, I, I would have assumed Phillips probably wins the award because he's just gotten a lot more national attention. Which you know you wouldn't think a guy playing at Utah would have that much more attention but like that is a name that a lot of sports writers know which is sometimes what this comes down to Emmanuel forbes has not gotten some of that same coverage but yeah no it's ridiculous I, i do have a conspiracy on this i think there's a world where this happened as payback for jonathan banks winning the award because i love jonathan banks he's an incredible player when he won it in 2012 it was very much a career achievement award because yes i was gonna say that too yeah if you look at Banks's stat that stats that season compared to the guy like the other guys, he, he was way down the list on the interceptions. He was he was down on you know passes broken up. Bank I'm not trying to take away from Jonathan Banks, but like if you wanted to make the argument of like who actually had the best season as a corner or a, or just a defensive back rather, you could have made that argument for multiple other players the year Banks won it. Banks won the award because he was like I think probably like the active career leader in interceptions at, the t- at that time and he ended up having like 16 interceptions by the time that season was ended total for his career and people were like this guy's been one of the best corners in the SEC for the past four seasons we're giving him the award and that, like I, I'm not I'm not dunk- I'm certainly not dunking on Jonathan Banks I know that's one of those things that people talk about like a lot of state fans do not give Banks the credit he deserves Jonathan Banks is amazing I love Jonathan Banks I'm just saying that Obviously, right now we're making an argument based off of stats for why Emmanuel Forbes didn't get it, and I guess if you wanted to throw it back on our face, you could say, well, if you're making the argument off stats, when your guy won it, his stats didn't match up to the other guys. So I don't know. Maybe there's some big conspiracy that is saying we gave you one when maybe you shouldn't have won it a few years ago. I don't think that's actually the case, but I just
1: fell into it. We're going to live by that conspiracy. We will live and die
0: by that conspiracy. You're right. We're Mississippi State. We can only have so many good things happen for us. Uh, speaking of, sorry about women's basketball. They take their second loss of the season down in Puerto Rico uh, to uh, Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska was a team that had previously been ranked early in the season. I believe they were a preseason top twenty-five team. They had taken a couple losses. Um, the women's team falls to them in overtime. It is disappointing. You have two close losses that were down to the wire, um, but it's not a bad loss. And, uh, of course, you may, maybe you look back later on and say, man, those are wins we could have had. Uh, and I'll be honest, we're not about to break it down, any of the games on either the women's or the men's side. Like, we're just going to kind of run through the results and what happened. Um, but, look, this is a team that's clearly – they're still growing. They're still learning. you got a bunch of new faces on there, new head coach who has never been a head coach before. You're going to take some of these bumps in the road. And, look, they bounce back. Uh, perfectly fine in an empty Humphrey Coliseum a few nights ago against ULM, just completely blow them out, uh, play grambling on Sunday, which I think you would fully expect would be another win. But women's team taking a couple L's, but I think they're still in a good spot to to have the type of year we want.
1: Yeah, they're playing some good teams. Uh, uh, South Dakota State's a really good team. Nebraska's a good team. Uh, everyone else that State's played, they've handled very well, I think. Uh, Colorado State was a big win for them, big win right, in Colorado State, they're a pretty decent team as well. They've played a good schedule. And so with a brand-new head coach who's still learning a few lessons, I think uh, I saw a few things against in Colorado State that I think he's going to learn from. I uh, just kind of started play not to lose, that, that strategy that everyone hates. You know, everyone's seen it happen before. You play not to lose, then you lose. And, um, you know, had a few moments even struggling at – they they went up huge against ULM. And then they just let uh ULM go on a big run, put up a lot of points. I think I think State got outscored in the second quarter, but they were by so much after the first, they gave up two in the first quarter, right? And then they gave up like sixteen in the second. It was uh you know, it was just like, all right, like no matter who you're playing, you still gotta you still gotta play tough. You have to play tough and um go with that. But yeah, he he's learning and if he's learning the right things and adjusting because of them. Uh, we're in for a good, good future.
0: For sure. Over on the men's side, they followed up getting that win in the uh, Fort Myers tip-off classic with a winning at home against Omaha, a game that you know saw them get off to a slow start, which you know, is going to happen some this year. But they pull away in the second half for a 20-point victory, kind of handle their business the way you would expect. Uh, continuing to get some national love, if you look at uh, the CBS Sports Top 25 and one poll done by Gary Parrish. He has Mississippi State as of right now up to number nineteen in the country, I believe. And his logic sort of was like, you know, I'm giving more I gotta put Marquette in here because of what they did to Baylor, but I can't put Baylor in there. Or sorry, I can't put Marquette in there if I'm not going to put in undefeated Mississippi State, who shut down Marquette. And then if you guys paid attention, Marquette went and obliterated Baylor. Uh and of course it's a big time Baylor team. So the defense for MSU is really paying off. John Rothstein made a comment that to this point of the season, whether he's the best, we're the best defense that he's seen. Um, and kind of let, and there was a stat that uh, the men's basketball Twitter account put out that, you know, in the shot clock era, Christians is the first sec coach through the first seven games who have not allowed 60 points yet. And I know you can talk about opponents and all that stuff, but again, you have Marquette to 55. They scored 90 something on Baylor. Uh, which that's setting up to be a really good win for you if, if uh, Marquette can keep it up. And look, there, there is a path to go undefeated in the non-conference. Minnesota is one of those games that I think you would have had circled as a big chance, especially after you lost to them last year. But I think they're down in like the 130s in Ken Palm right now. They're 4-3, and three, have taken a couple ugly losses. They're not a great team, but it is a road Big Ten game you got to go and pick up. Really, the toughest test uh, is going to be Drake. That's a team that's been you know to the undefeated. tournament a couple of years ago. They've been on the bubble recently. Uh, I think they have one loss so far, and they're going to be playing that game at a neutral site out. Uh, I think.
1: I think they're still undefeated. I have a as of last night. They were undefeated. Okay, so they lost last night or something like that.
0: Let, let's uh, let's pull this up real quick. Um, but yeah, if you, as I look at this, or unless unless you're searching right now.
1: Oh yep, they're six and one. Okay, they lost yesterday. So Wednesday evening, Indiana State beat them. Okay, so they were they yeah. started six zero. So I think yesterday afternoon I saw that little uh oh whatever undefeated map someone was posting, and Drake was on there. I was like, oh, hey, look at that. But, yeah, they took a loss. I know they had a win against Wyoming, who, of course, is
0: a tournament team a year ago, and I think they kind of handled that game. Um, and my, Wyoming had a bunch of players back. So that's going to be a difficult test. I won't be shocked if you end up losing that game. Because, look, I mean, I, I'm not saying this will be Drake, but at a certain point, is State going to take a loss because they just don't score enough points? Probably. Uh, okay, I know that was an obvious statement. Are they going to take a loss at some point because the offense is not – just you're, the shots are not falling, and at some point the defense can only do so much? That'll probably happen. But there's a really good chance for them to start off undefeated. And I don't know how many quality wins you will truly have, but Marquette looks like it's going to be one. Drake will probably end up being a good win for you if you can get it. Uh, to round out a non-conference resume, you get the SEC call Challenge later on in the year against TCU – who is, you know, a team that had really high expectations preseason, and you get that game at home. Um, This team, it, it's still far too early to talk about them being a tournament team, but, I mean, Till and latest bracketology had him as a seven seed. So, I mean, you know, I get he's basing off of what has happened so far. When this team gets into conference play, we're going to have a much better idea of what they're going to look like. But playing really well, there's a lot of excitement. They have uh, Mississippi Valley State on Saturday. Um uh, so if you're in town, certainly go check them out. Fun times at the Humphrey Coliseum, fun times at the basketball programs.
1: Oh, yeah, lots of fun. And Saturday, you hope, this is just going to be a shoot-around. Um, you know, I, it, someone has told me that it was being too harsh. I mean, Valley just doesn't have a good athletic program. Uh, and it, it's true, they don't. Uh, they Their basketball is always, you know, in the, the big-time negative in losses or in, like, in that category. And so – uh, yeah, you just hope you get good practice for uh, for the offense because that's what you need. And at some point, you're right, uh, if you I'm just looking at the schedule it's like, yeah, if you these SEC teams, they could they could dominate us just by holding us from scoring and eventually they're gonna break through for us because they have more talent on offense. Um, you know, it, it's it's I'm not going to say, oh, it's gonna be a dreadful season. We're gonna go, you know, below five hundred in the in the conference, but It's like something I'm just looking at. It's like, yeah, it's just it's tough to tough to know if that offense figures it out and shots start falling. If a guy, if Shaquille Moore, you know, if he starts, his shots start falling, (laughs) watch out for him, right? Because every other part of his game is fantastic right now. It's just the shots aren't falling. It's in his head now, I think, (laughs) Uh, because he came here as a good shooter. Right now, that's just not working out for him, Uh, but. Yeah, you hope that uh Deshaun Davis and he probably won't play Saturday, just let him rest, right? Let him have his rest that he needs to get better. You hope that he and uh Eric Reed can uh get their shots to fall as well. And you just hope for the best.
0: Yeah, uh Davis and then I believe also Jamel Horden are guys who are right now being held out with injury, but uh I think Jans has talked about they there's a chance that they you could see them on Saturday, but I, I mean I think the smart thing with, to do would be but Valley, no offense, but they have permanently been literally when you talk about the worst team in the country, they show up on that list time and time again, every single year in basketball. So you feel like you can handle your business in that one, even without those guys and hopefully get healthy uh, going forward. Do you want to run through back on the football side, some bowl scenarios because, you know, that's going to be a big topic. Now, obviously nothing will be finalized until uh, Sunday and still a few things to figure out, but right now, Uh, The game getting the most traction is the Gator Bowl. Um, I know that's a trip that a lot of state fans don't necessarily want to make because you've been talking about doing it for the fourth time in the past decade. Uh, But from a matchup standpoint, you had people talking about playing Notre Dame, which would, of course, I think that would sort of change people's opinions on it. Like if you get to watch the Bulldogs take on the Fighting Irish, uh, that'd be something that would be really attractive to people. There's really only a few ways this can go. If the grace of God happens and LSU were to upset Georgia and Atlanta, then you're talking about a situation where all four, uh, between LSU, Georgia, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, those teams would all go to New Year's Six Bowls because LSU, I think, would take the Sugar Bowl spot as the SEC champion. um, Georgia would still – they're going to make the playoff regardless. Uh, I think you would see Alabama, because they're ranked ahead of Tennessee currently, would get the spot probably in the Orange Bowl, uh, although – Getting into weird stuff. There's rumors that the Rose Bowl isn't going to take Ohio State, even if Ohio State is the highest-ranked Big Ten team available. Um, The reason I mention that is because the Orange Bowl's obligation is to take the highest-ranked team out of the SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. So if Ohio State's still sitting there at number 5, they would be the highest-ranked after the playoff. The Rose Bowl would normally get that, but apparently the Rose Bowl doesn't want them. The Rose Bowl would, like, take Penn State instead. It, was, it had to do with ticket sales the last time Ohio State was out there. They didn't – Ohio State fans are kind yeah, of – Ohio in State group.
1: goes all the time, they're tired of it, yeah.
0: Well, they haven't been to the Rose – it was so weird. They went to the Rose Bowl 2019. It was their first time out there in, like, a decade. But apparently Ooh. their fans were still not excited that much, whereas Penn State, when they, when they've gone, they've done really, really well showing out. So – there's some thought process. So, the reason I say that is because then the Orange Bowl would buy that, they would take Ohio State. So, I wonder if that would mean Alabama goes to the cotton. I don't, and then maybe Tennessee or somebody falls out because of how many at large bids are ultimately available. Uh, so, there's some weird things that could actually have an impact on where state ends up. Most likely scenario, of course, is that we, we're talking about a deal where it's Georgia in the playoff, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, Tennessee either in like the cotton or the orange, depending on how that plays out. LSU most likely would be the Citrus Bowl representative. Uh, maybe the, now the Citrus Bowl does not have to take the highest-ranked SEC team left. They can take who they want. Maybe they take South Carolina. Um, the re- Now, South Carolina is interesting here because I know the thought process is that they've jumped State in the bowl pecking order. And I would say from a Citrus Bowl standpoint, yes. South Carolina fans do not want to go to the – out. it's not the Outback Bowl. They do not want to go to Tampa. Uh, in the way that State goes to the Gator all the time – South Carolina has gone to the Outback Bowl a ton um, over the years. Their fans are, like, if you go on their message board, they are saying, we do not want to go there. Uh, apparently, there was a projection that had Notre Dame in the Outback Bowl. It was kind of the same scenario. Like, which, how would you guys feel if it was playing Notre Dame? Like, same thing. Like, we'd feel better about it. Um, so the reason I point this out is I remember a few years ago when State went to the Outback Bowl, there was a lot of lobbying that was done. To not give that spot to Texas A&M and give it to MSU because State fans wanted to go to Tampa, um, but the the Outback Bowl wanted to take Texas A&M. I wonder if, and the re and State ended up winning out because they're like, okay, fine, you beat A&M, we'll let you make your pick. I wonder if South Carolina, with the way they're coveted right now, would be able to say we would rather go to the Gator Bowl uh, than to the Outback, and then that would open up the Outback for MSU. Um, so from a Florida standpoint, I think it's one of two spots. You're either going to go to the Gator, the not Outback, ReliaQuest Bowl, whatever.
1: I'm calling it the Outback. I don't care. Yeah. It's always been out. I
0: I know this is confusing. There's a lot of back and forth. State's probably going to a Florida Bowl. Now, there's rumors that the Las Vegas Bowl kind of wants MSU. Um. I don't I, – and I know state fans had joked about wanting that game, but now that it's kind of coming around, I don't think fans want the game. It's December 17th, It's so it's an early bowl game, makes travel difficult. But, but apparently there's rumblings that they want us. Maybe it's the Mike Leach Pac-12 connection thing that they want to see happen. Um, I have seen a projection with the Texas Bowl, but I think, oh, I've only seen one. Um
1: and and this somebody, Mayo, I don't know who it was projected state to go back to the Liberty Bowl. And I was like, whoever that I, was. I don't see uh, any that, way that happens. Um, yeah,
0: the whole point that. of this current format is that you're supposed to avoid having to go to the same bowl back-to-back years. Yep. Now, LSU did it with the Citrus a few years ago, but it's the Citrus Bowl. People feel differently about that. Um, I don't see any way that would take place. Um, I don't know. Does the Mayo Bowl have an SEC tie-in this year? I think that – yeah, year. they wrote – they rotate with the Las Vegas bowl. Um so look, yeah, I haven't seen anything talking about MSU with the Music City.
1: Uh, no, uh tip yeah, eight four teams typically don't go to Music City typically. Um but they've gotten some over the years. Uh I think both times State's been there, they were six and six. That that's at least my history of it, right? You played Wake Forest in eleven, you were six and six, Louisville in nineteen, six and six. So that that's my experience, in it. I think Tennessee might have been eight and four last year when they played. They up were seven dude. and
0: five, I think. Yeah. An eight, A and M, I think, went as an eight and four team one year. I know LSU, twenty fourteen LSU was eight and four, and they went to that game. Um, I mean, the, the whole thing is like again, they're technically saying all these bowls are on the same tier, and it. I think we all know what you know. It's what what is better, or what's not. I think the expectation is you're going to see State playing either in the Gator or the Outback. Um, but technically, there's still some other options out there. Uh, I guess I'll ask you: Is there any preference on, on your part of what you want to see?
1: You know, I, as someone who's been traveling to ball games for a while now, you know I've been to Jacksonville three times, and you know you're talking about the playing the big, the big name opponent, right? I remember the first time we went, 2010, played mi- Michigan, right? Like one of the bi- best programs of all time. Beat the crap out of them. Absolute crap out of like 52 to 14. I mean, a blowout win, right? Phenomenal game. Arcedo Clark delivered one the, of the nastiest blocks I've ever seen in my life. Uh, definitely get flagged for blindside and targeting nowadays, but we didn't have that back then. It it was fun. And, you know, played north, losing to Northwestern, then beating Louisville. We've always had good trips there. Uh, but Tampa's Tampa. It, it's better than Jacksonville, uh, without a doubt. You know, even though I still have sour memories of losing to Iowa uh, from from Keaton Thompson dropping a, a touchdown pass. You know, it was a good pass from Nick Fitzgerald that just got dropped, and it was – still have nightmares about that. But it's still Tampa. But, yeah, either of those would be great. And if you do get to play Notre Dame, you got to take that. I mean, it, it's Notre Dame that you'd get to play. That would be a great time. Notre Dame, I will say – uh, really
0: good defense so matchup wise that would be interesting to watch their offense is not particularly good though uh so maybe that would be you know, probably be enough i would take the under if that game happens
1: um we're going three to two in that game just like yeah, Auburn. <laughs>
0: yeah. so yeah i know i agree if you get a chance to have, have a big time matchup you certainly want to take it um i i mean my bowl experience i went four times as a member of the band um twice down to Tampa, once for the St. Pete Bowl, and then obviously for the Outback Bowl a few years later. Jacksonville was a really fun trip. Uh, when we took that one, I, I really enjoyed going to uh oh God, what's what's the name of the uh the old like Spanish city just down the road. Uh, oh America it's like America's oldest city.
1: Uh I can't think of it.
0: God, I it's, it's annoying. Up. Uh I've been the Music City Bowl my senior year, and I've been to Nashville a few times now because of the SEC tournament. But uh, do you have it up? It's
1: not a – St. Augustine.
0: St. Augustine. That's what it. it is, yeah. St. Augustine. That That's a really cool place. If State does end up in Jacksonville and you, you, you haven't – even if you've been to before, you haven't gone down to St. Augustine, you should definitely go and spend some time walking around there. Um, it's a really cool place. But, yeah, I, I think State's going to end up with a good bowl destination regardless. Um, Probably not the the, the the citrus bowl like some folks were hoping, but it should be a good spot overall. So something we just uh, noticed, um, just a little, little in real time. This may come back to be like old Texas exposed and, and, and not matter at all. So we're not going to make anything definitive. But uh, we talked about Marquette and how much that helped out MSU's resume by their domination of Baylor. Right now at halftime, Utah playing host to number six, Arizona, who is undefeated, by the way. They're up 42 to 25. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that was a big win for MSU in the Fort Myers tip-off. Clearly, Utah looks like, as they're playing right now, and sometimes college basketball, you get weird results. It looking like that Utah win, if the Utes can hold on, is going to get even more impressive for Mississippi State. So, things are coming together. If, if things could continue to break right for MSU to have a much better resume than maybe we thought preseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, if they pull off this win against Arizona, that, that'd that be huge, right? And Chris Jan said it himself the other day. He said, and I love the way the quote went, I'm cheering for every SEC team to win, for well, almost every team, right? Obviously alluding to uh, the Ole Miss Rebels that it, that no one here wants to win. And as long as you just take care of your business against them, they can go winless for all we care. But, yeah, it, it was a uh, – it was great, pleasant surprise to see that. So by the time this comes out, uh, if you haven't checked that score yet, go check it out. See if uh, Utah holds on and wins. That'd be huge.
0: For sure. Uh, big news in the college football world. Uh, made official, I believe, this morning as we record here on a Thursday, uh, 12-team playoff will be coming in, the 20, in 2024. So one more year of the 14 playoff before the expansion uh, is made official. Obviously, they they announced a while back that the playoff would be expanded, but this, of course, is now the, – the question was if they could speed up the process before the end of the original contract, which was going to run until 2026 uh, with the four-team field. Final hurdle on that was the Rose Bowl. Uh, the Rose Bowl, I believe part of the issue had to do with the questions about revenue sharing, uh, and then also I know that they were very adamant about wanting their game to remain on January 1st because of the, you know, the history and tradition there. Whatever the issues were, they got them sorted out. The playoff, the expanded playoff field will be coming soon. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I am not an expansionist. I'm one of the curmudgeons who likes to keep things the way they are personally. Uh, it has nothing to do with, look, it has nothing to do with hating fun. It has nothing to do with, like, I fully recognize, like, MSU, to an extent, benefits in a way. If you're talking, if, if your goal is to see MSU playing in a national, you know, in a playoff game, because then you, you've, you've, created a a more likely scenario of that happening. I'm not going to get into all this right now. It's just, it's a feeling about, I think what should be valued in the sport, where the emphasis should be put. I I don't think it should all be about the postseason, which I think you're clearly doing. However, I fully recognize that, look, this is the direction we're going, whether I like it or not. Um, And there are aspects of the 12 team playoff. I certainly like more than they had with, if they had gone to eight, I actually like 12 more than eight uh, for a few different reasons. So, Get the playoff expansion, um, and that's going to be coming very soon. But I'm going to put you on the spot, Daniel. To to tie this into Mississippi State, uh, do you believe that while Mike Leach is the head coach of the Bulldogs that we will see the Bulldogs in a playoff game?
1: Oh, man. Uh, see, that's tough because, like, I think we talked about this before. Like, you know, the guy's only going to be coaching just a few more years. Right? We, think, He's probably we, right we don't know for
0: sure, there. but our speculation would be, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the man does what he wants, and we love him for it. I mean, look, I'll be honest, you know, uh, uh, getting way ahead of myself if they had had the 12-team playoff next year, I think state could have a chance to slip in at 11. I'm saying 11, not 12, obviously, because you include the the group of five champion. You assume they're outside the top 12.
0: Who who is always ahead
1: of it. Even
0: if they are, like, the best team in the country, they will always be 12 when when this system comes out.
1: That's hilarious, but yeah, like they have a chance to slip in at that number eleven spot. I mean, just the amount of experience the team has now. Twenty four, you're gonna have a big rebuilding year, uh, just on all fronts. So 25,
0: twenty five, probably You can see at Mississippi State here.
1: Yeah, you just don't know. You don't know, but. You know, if they if they had this, and I I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before. I did a little bit of research. They had this uh, from the get go in 2014. Mississippi State would have hosted Arizona in the first round of the college football playoff. Hosted, right? We're talking about on-campus playoff games. Now imagine that Dak Prescott, Dan Mullen coach team hosting a playoff game against old Arizona. That would be fine but yeah i am dreaming
0: right that is is the side of it that i am like i can come around to is like you like some of the first round matchups because you're gonna get the buys and on-campus games those games will be fun um it's not that i oppose fun people it's that i it's just it's it's a bigger picture thing than just the individual because, like, the individual match, like, sure, I can see where it's fun. It's just – it's a different – I I can't explain it in one episode, and it's not worth going all into. But I guess to give my answer on will we see Leach coach an MSU playoff game, it, I'll sure. say if Leach were to coach five more years, I would be bold and say yes. Um, but I don't know if we're going to get five more years of Mike Leach. Not nah, because I think he'll be fired. I, I think you'll probably see him coach a few more years and then step away if I were just putting a guess on it. I could be way off base, but – I'll say no. Uh, I, I I certainly had the thought you did that if this was next year, MSU would be a team that would have a chance for it. But it'll be something to look forward to, uh, or not. Yeah, look forward to in the sense of like this this could happen for MSU down the line. Um. All right, we said we were going to talk about it. Well, let's talk about Hugh Freeze coming back to the SEC and. I will say Auburn. I got to give you a lot of credit because it's it's remarkable that in a coaching cycle where a school hired Trent Dilfer to be their new head coach, that you managed to make a worse hire. That is in, truly remarkable and impressive that a coach a school hired a high school coach who is the worst Super Bowl winning quarterback of all time, whose only connection to the college game is that he does the Elite Eleven camp and like has not been around. Never been a coach at any level, again, above freaking Lipscomb, Lipscomb Academy in Nashville for a few seasons, who is not at all worthy of getting this coaching job. That hire was made, and you made a worse hire because you hired Hugh Freeze to be the head coach of your football program. And I know that he fits the bill of an Auburn coach in so many ways. He checks the marks, the, all checks the bunch of boxes that they want. He still comes with a giant freaking red flag. And I, I knew at some point someone would bite the bullet. It, it being Auburn does not surprise me at all. I still did not think it would happen this quickly that Hugh Freeze would be back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. you know, we, we all have our, our things about it. and And people are going to say, oh, you know, someone can change, yada, yada, yada. I mean, just look at what's going on at Liberty right now. The dude hasn't, he hasn't changed. And and I'm not going to defend him in any way, shape or form. I never, never will. Right. Uh, Not because he was a coach at Ole Miss because of what he did. Right. Um, It's just crazy that, that like, gosh, this is happening. Like, wow, this is happening. It just blows my mind. And you know what, Auburn, you're going to, you're going to get what you ask for and and my favorite thing I saw was uh, on Twitter uh someone came on and posted a video or whatever uh and the first thing Hugh Freeze does he he looks at a player's ankles to see if they're any good or not I was like oh boy that is spicy right there that boy is he's something he is something
0: yeah um no and and I I'm sure there are pe- there are people who boil it down to Oh, well, the NCAA violations, you can get away with that stuff now. And oh yeah, the the escort stuff is, is that's a bad look, but it's been years and people make mistakes. And oh, we can we can't too put too much on that. He served his sentence for that. Okay, he was making five million a year at Liberty. Uh people talk about serving a sentence. Like he he got back into the coaching game and, and really benefited pretty well. Um, but no, this is not a case of he had a couple missteps and has you know paid the price for it everybody is brought uh, bringing back up when he was at Briarcrest and as a coach for the women's basketball team, had a girl change in the corner as he stared and watched her because she was wearing a grateful dead shirt. And he, t- apparently the, 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 the skull on it gave uh, he, he was against that because it was anti-Christian imagery, but the bigger thing beyond the stupidity of making her take off a grateful dead shirt was the fact that he made a girl a little, like an A grader change in front of him. Uh, take her shirt off because in as he stayed in the room. And I've seen on Reddit CFB, there's been a few people who talked about that they worked in the athletic department at Ole Miss while during his time there and that the, his treatment of the women and some of the comments that he would make towards them were just very much out of line during his time there. And look, the latest incident everybody has seen now is the, the deal with Chelsea Andrews, the student, the former student at Liberty who has a lawsuit going against the school because of how they handled her, uh, um, her being raped and how they they dealt with that situation. I know me and Colton. We talked when this all happened back over the summer. We talked about it a little bit because we wanted to bring up. Oh, look, Hugh Freeze is still a scumbag, uh, and here he is a few months later getting hired in the SEC. An incident that had nothing to do with Hugh. Had nothing to do with Hugh's team. Had nothing to do. I don't think with anyone in the. A few people saying it was a, it was a, it was an athlete who did it. I don't think it was even an athlete. It was literally a, some a student on campus had you know sexually assaulted her. She reported it Liberty did a terrible job of handling it. I believe what she's talked about is that uh the school basically said that he, as a, he's you know as a, he's repented as a good Christian man or something like that when it comes to the, the 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 boy who did it. anyway, I think she's been outspoken against the hiring of Ian McCaw as Baylor's athletic director McCaw, for those unfamiliar was the AD at Baylor when they had that ridiculous scandal with like 50 different accounts of rape and sexual assault from their football program. The guy overseeing that football program and that athletic department got hired at Liberty. And uh, she, I think, was against it, spoke out against it, and Hugh Freeze felt the need to send her unsolicited DMs at midnight talking to her about how uh, Ian McCall, you don't even know Ian McCall, he's the most Jesus-like leader I've ever been around. Hugh, you have no reason to do that. It is not your place to go after her when she had nothing to do with you, and you don't need to be out here defending your scumbag AD Oh, because someone spoke out poorly. And, of course, this it's his immaturity in general, the fact that he feels the need to DM anyone who says anything poorly about him, uh, which it's funny Auburn puts the thing out that he will relinquish his uh, social media duties, which in the very next day in the, in the press conference he says, oh, that's not the case. I don't know how you can't in this day and age not be on social media. So I'm sure we'll all see DMs from Hugh coming very soon. Uh, the guy is a, is a great ace scumbag. He has no business coaching college football as it does. He has no business being back in the ACC, in the SEC. Um, and it, it, people can explain this better. I, I would say go listen to Split Zone Duo. Uh, they did an episode when the Chelsea Andrews issue came up back over the summer, they did an episode uh, talking about everything with Hugh Freeze. Of course, they rehashed a lot of that as he got hired on their episode that came out on Wednesday. Uh, I I know they're typically a podcast for laughs, laughs, but also I would shout out a shutdown full cast because they really ripped into it yesterday. And what's sad here is from a media standpoint, I know, you know, state fans every time that we go through a rough stretch with one of our programs um, or there's a bad loss, I've seen it with Mike Leach. I've seen it with Chris Alonis. There's always a state fan who goes and asks one of our beat writers and said, you need to ask him the tough questions. You need to ask him this. You need And then when they don't ask this question, it's like, why do you guys bow down? And the reason is because, unfortunately, a lot of these athletic departments will shut off your access in a heartbeat if they feel like that you are harassing a coach with tough questions. There are some coaches who will basically say, that person's not allowed at my press conferences. Hugh Freeze and Auburn are places that will 100% do that. And there's a lot of local media at Auburn who are not going – people are going to want them to ask tough questions. They're not going to be able to because their jobs are on the line now. People who are not comfortable covering Hugh Freeze and want to be able to talk about things properly are not going to be able to. And then, of course, you have the national media who are all coming out, like Chris Lowe from ESPN talking about, we all have a past. You know why Chris Lowe did that? Because he wanted to get access inside the Auburn program be, to be one of the first people to break any story that happens in Auburn. He basically made it it's something you see all the time. You make an agreement that you will uh, talk about this person glowingly and do a little puff piece for them and we'll give you information down the line. It's a bullcrap behavior that unfortunately a ton of people in sports media do. And you're going to see a ton of it with this scumbag over there in Auburn now. Um I have a few more things I want to say, but I'll let you talk because I'm sorry I've been ranting too long.
1: <laughs> no, you're you're right on right there. Hugh Freeze had it made at Liberty. Uh, that was the perfect job for him, for the kind of school that 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 is, right, where where you poorly handle what, what's been poorly handled. He's the kind of guy that fits that. And, you know, I was totally happy whenever he got that extension. It's like, good, he's not going in the Power Five. Like, he doesn't deserve it. Then, then freaking Auburn had to do something about it. I mean, it's just it's it's just not cool. And you know, I, I just I don't want to see him back in 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 the conference. I don't. Uh, but he is. I hope he fails miserably. I mean, uh, I'm praying on his downfall. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm praying on his downfall.
0: No, and obviously, I make a lot of jokes about Hugh Freeze. Um, it's fun to do, and I'm sure I'll continue to make jokes. But, yeah, no, getting serious, the guy is a scumbag. I mean, and I think we all know that. He has no business coaching an athletic department, and Auburn deserves to be ripped. John Cohen deserves to be ripped. Because so Let's talk about Cohen for a second. I don't think anybody believes this is his hire. Um, there's, I don't think there's any chance Cohen actually wanted to do this. Uh, but I think it says a lot, and I've tweeted this a couple times now, this says a lot about how little confidence Auburn had in John Cohen being able to make a competent hire as an athletic director for his football program, that as soon as they missed on Lane Kiffin and, and that fell apart, uh, they basically were like, oh, we have no plan here. We have no options. None of the guys Cohen has available to us we have any faith in. So that whole thing about you're going to get autonomy autonomy and uh, I can't talk um, to run your own athletic department. We're just going to rip that apart and push this through because this is the booster shot. Auburn boosters have wanted Lane, uh, not Lane Giffen. They've wanted Hugh Freeze for years, and it finally happened uh, because Cohen pretty much botched this process. Uh, the list of candidates that he had available for this job outside of Hugh were pretty much exclusively guys who would never take the job. Uh, names like Sonny Dykes, Luke Fickle, uh, Dave Clausen at Wake Forest. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, those are all good coaches. Those are all in the Auburn to be a step up. None of those guys would have ever taken the Auburn job specifically because those are all coaches who are very much fits for the jobs that they are at. They all care deeply about being in a situation that's right for him. And I know Fickle just took the Wisconsin job, so he just moved on. There's a few, There's some circumstances there, but he also picked the job that was the exact perfect spot for him to move in his family with eight kids they choose to go to Wisconsin because it's a familiarity, it's a comfort thing. None of those guys were taking the Auburn job. Cohen put together a list of candidates who were never going to take the job. So he puts together a list of candidates who like don't fit the job he's looking for. Uh, and then when you look at some of the fallback plans that they had later on, it was guys that no one in the fan base were going to be excited around. I mean, there's a hire that the fan base would have been excited for. It would have made a lot of sense. It would have been a smarter hire than Hugh Freeze but they didn't want to trust it because, well, he doesn't have much head coaching experience. You should have just promoted Cadillac. There's no reason on on earth you shouldn't have done that. And by the way, and I know I've talked about some, Hugh will win some at Auburn uh, because, you know, he can recruit and, you know, the offense is going to score points. I mean, it is worth pointing out. This man just lost three in a row feature- to losses to like UConn, New Mexico State. They lost to a Virginia Tech team that's won two games this season. Um And you look back on his time at Ole Miss uh, in the last season, he goes five and seven there after bringing in like his best, his second best recruiting class. He's not even as good of a coach as you guys think. He's essentially, he's a holier than thou version of Gus Malzahn. They are the same person, except he puts on the Christian act far more and has actual skeletons in his closet that Gus doesn't. And Gus was a better coach at Auburn than he was. So Auburn, you deserve to be ripped. John Cohen, this is what you get. You you left a situation that was probably pretty good for you, and you choose to go to a place that is uh, going to be a complete dumpster fire. And when Hugh gets fired in two years because he sends a stupid DM to somebody and belittles someone who's been sexually assaulted, uh, you're going to be on your way out the door, and you're not going to have another job. So, yeah, that, that's, that's as far as I'm going to go on it. There's my ranting about Hugh Freeze and John Cohen. All right, we got past that. I yep. uh, probably <laughs> went, went a little too hard on that, but whatever. Let's make some picks. Last week of picks. Um, let's look looking over the results last week. Daniel had a fantastic week, nine and four for him. I had a rough week, six and seven. I went bold on a few games and it it cost me. Uh, looking at the overall results, I have a five game lead, 77 45 compared to 72 and 50 for Daniel. 7 and 6 in the head to head advantage for me so Daniel can pull even with a winning week this week uh but conference championship week we're going to pick every conference championship game um so yeah let's let's dive into these starting off at the SEC oh what
1: was that I was just saying we had 10 of them yeah okay yeah so so it's good uh Two on Friday, eight on Saturday. So if you're listening on Friday, you got a uh, you got two tonight, but we'll get to those in a minute. We want to get the most important one first, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, where Georgia's like a 17 point favorite. Georgia taking on LSU in the SEC championship game. This game would have been a lot more interesting if LSU had choked against Texas A and M. Um, I mean, I, I frankly. I don't see any way LSU can pull it off. I know they've they've been playing better this year, but they've also not looked great in recent weeks. Uh, And I know Georgia has played with their food some, but I think they'll come out ready for this one. Give me Georgia.
1: Yeah, I I think the only team in the country that really has a shot at beating Georgia is Michigan. And I don't even think they can do that, but give me Georgia. Give me Georgia. They're they're probably going to repeat, and I haven't seen that in a little while, but hey, Someone's got to do it. Big Ten Championship game.
0: Speaking of Michigan, the Wolverines taking on the Purdue Spoiler Makers. Shout out to my man, uh, Oliver Oliver McLeod. We know that you love Purdue, and I think Purdue will do a fantastic job of looking semi competent in this game as they lose to Michigan. Um, Yeah, I I don't think – Purdue's offense really has not been that good when they face better defenses. Uh, And I know Blake Corum out for the year for the Wolverines, but I don't think that
1: matters that much for them. Uh, give me Michigan. Yeah, I mean, you know, Blake Horn was out against Ohio State, and a lot of people were counting them out. And look how they did, right? They did just fine. J.J. McCarthy looked really good at quarterback, uh, which after a year he didn't look good at quarterback. And then he finally does here at the end. He can keep that up, and and he could, he could help Michigan win a national championship here. I mean, he, with good quarterback play from him, Michigan actually has a legitimate shot now. Excuse me, to win the national title. so give me Michigan here in the Big Ten championship game,
0: Big Twelve championship game. This one could get interesting. Uh, battle of Purple Teams: The Hypnotoads, TCU, undefeated on the year, taking on Kansas State. Kansas State, highest ranked three loss team at number ten in the country. Um, of course, they, they had the you know the tough loss to Tulane early in the season, which has ended up being a respectable loss. Uh, of course, lost to TCU, but that was a game where Kansas State was up big in that game. Before dealing with some quarterback injury issues and TCU was able to storm back, I this is tough. And I, I believe in TCU. And I think they're safe. I think even if they lose, they're ultimately safe. They should be. I feel like there's a chance K-State gets them here. and It's only a two-and-a-half point spread. And I, I don't want to pick against TCU because they're so fun, but I'm gonna take K State. I just gotta feel it, it it finally catches up to him.
1: Yeah, it's hard to it's this is probably the hardest game to pick. If you're looking at all the options, maybe outside of the Pac-12 or uh, the American, it, this might be the hardest one to pick. You know, I'm gonna give the edge to TCU just because it's not in Manhattan. Now, if i remember correctly, when they played earlier in the year, it was in Manhattan. I'm looking that up, no, it was in uh It was, it was in, in Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Well, I'm still going to give the edge TCU again. You know, even even in the matchup, I think uh, the frogs finally make it to to the playoff. You know, they were snubbed in in 2014, but here they are. There is no way you keep them out when they beat the Wildcats on Saturday. They they have something to prove right now, and I think everyone's looking at them to do it, and they are. And here they are, the Hypnotodes on their way to the college football playoff.
0: Pac-12 title game on Friday night, USC taking on Utah. These two played a classic uh, back several weeks ago, Utah winning 43 to 42 after going for two after, you know, a final minute touchdown to get the win in Salt Lake city. Now they're going to be playing out of the desert in Las Vegas. I like Utah a lot. Um, I'm glad to see them back in this game, but look, Cam rising has not been as good this season as he was at times last year. Uh, their running back, Tavion Thomas, is out for this game and has actually shut it down for the season. Um, one of their – they last in the last game, I believe it was Brent Keithy, the uh, tight end. Uh, they have two really good tight ends. One of them, Dalton K- Kincaid, was shut down for the year with some injury. Keithy had a monster game against USC last time, had like 16 catches. Going to be really hard to replicate it, and he kind of has to if they're going to keep up with USC because Utah, you know, I know typically they play good defense. They're not that great this year. USC's offense is incredible. Cam uh not cam rising. Caleb Williams, I think, is about to lock up the Heisman Trophy. Uh, and they're kind of fully healthy clicking on all cylinders. Give me the Trojans.
1: Yeah, USC's looked so good recently. I, I was counting them out against UCLA. I counted them out against Notre Dame. They put me wrong both times. Well well, now, all right, I'm on the USC train. And and, you know, when they win, it's gonna, gonna keep the playoff from having to make a really tough decision on Sunday. So that'd be good for that. ACC
0: championship game, North Carolina against Clemson. This game took a little bit of a hit uh, after UNC lost the last two weeks of the season to Georgia tech. And then that heartbreaker against uh, their rival NC state Clemson, of course snaps a 40 game home winning streak and a seven game win streak against South Carolina. losing in 31 30 in death Valley. Probably going to be a lot of points. Um, Clemson's defense is not what they used to be, and UNC's offense can obviously put up a lot of points. Um, And then UNC's defense, of course, is terrible. So even though Clemson's offense isn't great, I think they'll get some stuff going. I don't have a great feel on this game either way, uh, but I think I will still lean Clemson to get it done. Uh, But, I mean, this one could certainly go out of the way for me.
1: Yeah, I I don't know who to pick here. I mean, it's just tough. Both both these teams have had this – Conference championship locked up for a few weeks now. I mean, we knew this matchup a while ago, and good for both of them, but obviously they both struggled a lot, a lot recently, and I think Clemson just keeps tumbling. Uh, I'll take Drake May and, and the Tar Heels to win it you know, in, in upset fashion and knock Clemson out of a New Year's Six and put themselves in the – put them in the Orange Bowl, right? It'd be the Orange Bowl. UNC to the Orange Bowl. I'll take it.
0: Played there a couple years ago against in them A&M. the American Conference Championship. UCF against Tulane. This game is essentially going to decide uh, who goes and plays in the Cotton Bowl this year as the G5 representative for the New Year Six. Uh, UCF beat Tulane earlier this season, but they've also had some shaky moments. They closed out uh, a couple weeks ago. They lost to Navy, and Tulane gets a big win against Cincinnati uh, to keep their post uh, keep their hopes alive on their way to a ten win season. Obviously, earlier in the week, there was a lot of speculation about Willie Fritz, Tulane's coach, taking the Georgia Tech job, but that has since been shut down. Sounds like a new level of focus. Uh, Looks like there might be a sellout crowd in New Orleans. People are really excited for this game. And I'm going to rain on their parade. I think UCF's probably just a better team. I I know there's – or I think think UCF's talent wins out. I think Tulane has been the better overall team this season. Uh, But I don't know. I feel like matchup-wise, there's questions about John Rice probably playing in this game, but I'm still going to lean with UCF.
1: Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago, they they played in New Orleans. A lot of hype, a lot of excitement around that game, and UCF just came and 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 stomped on them. Well, they didn't stomp on them, but they beat them, right? And and a defeat's a defeat, no matter what. I think UCF does it again. They're they're just good. I mean, they're just a good team. Yeah, they screwed up against Navy. They're not. They moved past that. Uh, they're they're a good team, and they're you know. Really, since it's when you look at the past, since its inception of the the playoff and the New Year's Six, you know UCF has kind of been the uh, group of five team to that that's been really good, right? Obviously, they claimed their national championship after winning the uh, the Peach Bowl in seventeen, and and look, they yeah they took down Auburn and, and they won that game. Uh, they gave LSU for their money a year later in the Fiesta Bowl. It was like that they, they're. They're a good group of five team, and and they're here to claim their spot back as as the group of five.
0: Conference USA championship game, North Texas, who slips into this game at 7-5. Uh, there's been a ton of talk about Coach Seth Luttrell, former Mike Leach assistant. Uh, basically, whether or not he saved his job, I think UNT wanted to fire him weeks ago, but they found a way to slip into the title game just barely. So it sounds like he's probably safe. Although their AD did just go to West Virginia, so who knows? UTSA, on the other hand, uh, looking to repeat as Conference USA champions after you know a 12-win season a year ago. They followed it up with a 10-2 and campaign this year. Playing in the Alamo Dome, it's going to be a cr- crazy crowd. I don't see UNT having a chance. I will say North Texas did hand UTSA its only loss last season. But North Texas, I just don't think it's that good of a team. Uh, give me Frank Harris and the boys, the Roadrunners.
1: Yeah, you, you said it for me right there. You know, a few friends who are who are from high school who are out there at UNT, and and they were excited about that when they took down uh, UTSA for that only loss, and that was good. That was fun for them, but it's still UTSA. They're the uh, they they run Conference USA right now, so they'll give me the Roadrunners.
0: MAC championship game, which I, as I said on Twitter, this game should have been played on Tuesday night. There's no excuse for the Mac to not play their title game in Detroit on a Tuesday night, but instead they'll be playing, I believe on Saturday, which normally I feel like this is a Friday night game, whatever. Mac title game, Toledo versus Ohio. Toledo, a perennial underachiever. They have the best resources of any team in the Mac and still they're mediocre somehow. Jason Candle's name keeps coming up for other jobs versus Ohio, who despite going through a coaching change recently, losing uh, and, you know, having an injury to their quarterback, Curtis Rourke, who's outstanding. They've still continued to win. They've been really, really hot. I don't trust Toledo at all. Give me the Bobcats.
1: I want to pick Toledo so bad just because of of uh, Dan Katz. And you know what? I'm going to do it. Toledo, they won a national championship under him. He got the key to the city. They are motivated. They may have just lost to Western Michigan, but they're winning the MAC championship.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to need Coach Dougs on the sidelines if they're going to get this one done.
1: Sun Belt Championship hey, he game. You never know. He might be there. His spirit <laughs> will.
0: Coastal Carolina taking on Troy. Uh, Coastal Carolina uh, got blasted by JMU, JMU last week, but that was because Grace McCall was out. And I believe they had a few other players out. Still up in the air, so whether or not McCall is going to be playing. And also, Jamie Chadwell's name coming into a connection with a couple other jobs. Uh, South Florida, he, his name has come up there. His name is coming up at Liberty as a potential replacement for Hugh Freeze. Um, I kind of wonder how much attention he's playing. Meanwhile, Troy, John Summerall, incredible. Ten-win season uh, right away. That defense is real, truthfully one of the best in the country. Uh, I, I, again, with so much unknown happening with Coastal, I'm going to take the
1: Trojans. And, yeah, you took that right from me, right? I mean, that, Troy's had a fantastic season. And obviously, it started out with the loss to to Ole Miss, and then they they went on a seven and one conference record with their what their only loss uh, was to App State at the last second. You know, they they were a last second hail mary away from being eleven and one. So yeah, I got to go with Troy in this one, and and you know, losing to an SEC team, whether or not, however we feel about that SEC team, uh, it's it's an honorable loss.
0: Last game we're gonna pick here, Mountain West title game, Fresno State taking on Boise. Fresno State has been a lot better recently since getting Jake Hayner back at quarterback. Uh but Boise State has also been really impressive down the stretch. They they made the fire of their offensive coordinator, uh Tim Plough early in the season, wrote Dirk Cutter to their full time OC. Uh the you know, the old quarterback transfers out. New quarterback was better and they've they've really gone on a roll. Um on uh, a tear, sort of kind of take back, control the Mountain West. Mountain West has not been good this year, just to be honest. It's typically a league that I think has you know quite a few good teams, but it's been a rough season out there. I, I don't have a great feel for Boise. I think this could be a competitive game – or, sorry, great feel for Fresno or Boise. I think it could be a competitive game, but I will take the Broncos.
1: Yeah, for, they played earlier in this season. Boise State won a 40-20 dominating game. You know they're eight no in conference. Uh, three losses came to Oregon State, BYU, and UTEP, which that UTEP one just surprises me. Uh, but that was early in the season. In that was, I think it was week one. By the way, they to to a different UTEP. UTEP, team, UTEP but, was a week four. It was a uh, late September.
0: Okay, they still haven't made the coaching change yet, though,
1: uh, with the OC. So, okay. so it, well, yeah, I'm still riding with boys. I mean, you go eight no in conference. I mean. And and you already dominate this team earlier in the year by 20 points. Uh expect I won't say expect it again, but but expect them to play really good and, and play well and win the game.
0: All right, so Daniel makes it official. He cannot catch me.
1: Uh, that means I will be the
0: picks champion. He didn't but hey, it is what it is. Oh, we're uh, not doing a bowl special?
1: The bowl is a separate thing.
0: Oh man.
1: That's uh, okay. Look, I, my comeback. Fell just short, but it was one that made people turn the game back on. Let's do a score <laughs>
0: prediction. Uh pick one of these games, one of these championship games, as a score prediction for a tiebreaker.
1: Okay. Uh oof. I will pick. You could be basic and take SEC, but you can take whatever you want. I was about to do it, but actually I will go with uh just because, why not? Give me the MAC championship. I knew you were
0: about to Mac. <laughs> By the way, I mentioned like uh, Ohio's quarterback, who's awesome, is has been he's been out for a few weeks, and they're still winning, but he's out. Like Toledo's quarterback might be out too, so the game gonna be ugly. Uh, God, I have no idea here. It's matching. It's stupid. I will say thirty two um 32 to 26. and yeah and I took
1: Ohio uh, give me Toledo winning it 26 to 15. we both picked such obscure scores
0: uh but that's <laughs> we know how action works. <laughs> yeah you have to do that from action speaking of the bowl stuff uh I will get together a some sort of a bowl pick'em pool thing um we can decide I don't know I might do a poll on Twitter if people want to do it like either just do straight up or do confidence. So, you know, like the the confidence polls where you like, you have to rank the games based on how confident you are. Uh, we might do that to make it more interesting. Um, but it's something that listeners can get involved with. I have no idea if there will be any kind of a prize, probably not. Uh, but other than just pride, um, maybe, you know, like a shout out on the show. We'll figure something out, uh, but we'll get that guys, get that out for you guys after we figure stuff out this weekend. I may or may not do a quick solo show just to react to whatever bowl game MSU gets selected to on Sunday. Uh, n- not worth getting everybody together for that, but just some quick thoughts on that and maybe some quick thoughts on whatever the, the playoff New Year's six look like. Uh, if anyone would be interested next week, again, the plan is to uh, take a deeper dive as to what MSU is going to look like um, going into the next season. And of course we will be able to get together to actually give some of our early thoughts of whatever bowl game state will be playing in. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Thanks, Dan, for hopping it on. And as always, swing your sword. Hail State.